Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Hey, Jordan Harbinger here. Subscribe to the only show that will show you how to apply the world's greatest ideas from the most striking minds. After presenting more than a thousand interviews, I couldn't be more compelled to introduce you to the Jordan Harbinger Show. We've got spies and CEOs, athletes and authors from Kobe Bryant to Malcolm Gladwell, Tony Hawk and Howie Mandel to the chairman of Google, founders of LinkedIn and Instagram, antiquities smugglers, con men, brilliant scientists, national heroes, and even the head of the CIA. Listed as Apple's best of 2018 and countless other awards that, let's be honest, you probably don't care about right now. So come and have a listen for yourself and join me as we exploit the superpowers of the world's most incredible thinkers, amazing achievers, and iconic change makers with their insights delivered right into your mind. You'll get that blueprint of their brilliance each week so that you can learn to live what you listen. Subscribe right now to The Jordan Harbinger Show, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you're listening now. Napa know-how. At Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, get a $25 prepaid Visa card when you get any Napa automotive battery. It's the best deal for some of the best batteries from some of the best car people around. But we might be a little partial. Anywho, pick up any Napa automotive battery and save 25 bucks. Do it yourself or have it done for you. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care Centers. While supplies last, offer ends 831 Hey there, movie fans. It is so great to be back here with the amazing Perry Nemiroff. This is going to feel so good to say. Welcome to our very first episode of For Your Consideration, Collider FYC. This is the only award show you are going to see for the next six months anywhere, video, right here on Collider Video. We just got back from the Toronto International Film Festival. I also got back from Telluride. We saw a lot of great movies. We're going to count down our top five right now. Perry Nemiroff, let's start right with you. Okay. What is your number five movie all from right. TIFF? So my number five movie really excites me because we all know what the likely titles are going into Telluride mm-hmm. and TIFF. One of my favorite things about a film festival is discovering something that I know nothing about that I can't stop talking about after I see it. And for me this year, that movie is Sea Fever. And I'm not going to go into really big uh, spoiler information here for obvious reasons. I'm just going to tell you that the movie is about, it's about a fish fishing boat that goes out obviously to make a big catch and all of a sudden a mysterious creature latches itself onto the boat and creepy things happen does that oh, not sound like a movie that is so right you Perry. I mean, come so on. <laughs> this one is directed by an acclaimed tv director uh nasa hardeman i believe her name is pronounced and as a feature directorial debut this movie is incredible i mean just to see what they managed to do in such close quarters on the trawler and also the way that they use the scares from a VFX perspective, it is never super heavily done because there are some big flashy VFX shots and, you know, they don't have the biggest budget for something like this. Sure. Instead, she keeps the focus on these teeny tiny details that that'll like make you feel like your skin is crawling, that kind of sensation. And it just really stuck with me, one, as... 
everything you would expect from a monster movie from like a surface layer perspective, a great thrill. But on top of that, it also calls into question our relationship as just human beings living on Earth with the unknown. Are you super quick to judge? Are you super quick to defend? So the fact that it worked in both respects made Sea Fever something I'm not going to forget and not going to stop talking about until you all can see this movie. That sounds like a Star Trek episode, actually. You know, the unknown and learning about no, humanity yeah. learning about itself through the unknown. This is a little more vicious and bloody than a Star <laughs> okay, Trek yeah, episode, well. <laughs> but I see your point. Okay, well, well, that is that's the great thing about these festivals is discovery. You know, there were a couple of movies that I felt like I I discovered at Toronto and Telluride. Uh, real quick, this movie, Ordinary Love, with uh, Leslie Manville and Liam Neeson. Uh, they're a, a long married couple. She finds out she has breast cancer. It is not a manipulative tearjerker. It's an intimate film. Also, this movie, Bad Education, which I saw twice <laughs> because when I saw it for the first time, I was really tired. You do so know went, where I'm from, right? Yes, I do. You're from <laughs> Long Island, New York. <laughs> from that area. And, uh, and that when I went back and saw it again, knowing what I was going to expect, I, I did like it better the second time I saw it. But my top five, let's get back to the top five here. Number five on my list is A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Here's the thing about this movie. It is not the movie version of Won't You Be My Neighbor. It is not a Fred Rogers biopic. It is uh, you know, Tom Hanks. Yes, he is perfectly cast as Mr. Rogers. But this movie is more about the journalist, the Esquire journalist played by Matthew Reese from The Americans mm. and Brothers and Sisters. He is a broken man. He's having a hard time, down on his luck. He goes to interview, kicking and screaming, by the way, uh, to interview Fred Rogers. And it turns into a therapy session. The movie, the movie itself is very therapeutic. It's... It's really nurturing. It's a comforting film. Uh, it, it's it, uh, it's a little sappy. It's a little manipulative towards the end. It, it does feel a little slight. But it after seeing so many heavy movies, mm-hmm. you know, I got very emotional watching this film. And uh, I think Tom Hanks is superb as Fred Rogers. Not a lead performance. It is a supporting role. I think he's looking at an Oscar nomination. His first Oscar nom since Castaway came out in December twenty second, two thousand. And it's a movie that I think. It humanizes Fred Rogers enough, but it still keeps him mysterious. You know, it doesn't really, like, break him down all that much. And I think that's good because I think Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood is a movie that we need right now. I felt really good about this movie. Of all of the movies that I considered top priorities going into the festival, this was the only one that I missed. So I'm happy to hear I that liked you liked yeah. it quite a I bit. I like it too. I can't, I can't wait to see this movie. I'm also just a huge fan of Marielle Heller, and I want to see her get all the accolades in the world. Can so. You Ever Forgive Me came out last year with, yep. the, you know, with Melissa McCarthy and Richard E. Grant. This is a very, very different film. And the way she shot the movie, I don't want to spoil anything, but I think you'll dig that too. What's number four? My number Number four kind of surprises me because, you know, we all have our own specific taste and we know what we gravitate towards and what we don't. And Marriage Story isn't necessarily something that I thought was going to affect me as much as it did. This is Noah Baumbach's latest. And of course, it stars Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson as a couple who uh, struggle through a divorce. And we kind of see the ripple effects of those early decisions just go throughout their lives and affect people around them. And this is an absolutely fascinating character study. And these two performances, too, are the ones that I walked away from more than any other performance that I saw at TIFF 2019 that made me think, "Ah, here are some potential nominees right Mm -hmm, here. mm -hmm. 
I am more convinced that Adam Driver is going to walk away with a Sure Thing nomination than Scarlett Johansson, but they are both incredible in this, and you can go out to the supporting cast, too. Laura Dern has a couple of some of the best scenes of the entire year, I think. Mm-hmm. I also really love Merritt Weaver. I'm happy to see her getting even more screen time. I know she just had a Netflix series that came out, too, so I'm really excited for her, but... This is a movie that I think plays with the inevitable uh, truths of life in such a delicate, sensitive way Mm -hmm. that, I don't know, even though I've never gone through anything like this, it rang so true to me just from like like a human error perspective and the way that we respond to certain situations in our life where you can see that decision affect X, Y, and Z in your life. Just thinking about that and how much weight one choice can hold is, uh, it's emotionally overwhelming. Well, for me, I'm just going to jump ahead. This is my number one movie on my list is Marriage Story. Yes, yes. Written and directed by Noah Baumbach. Best known for movies like While We're Young, The Squid and the Whale, Francis Ha. A movie is based on his own divorce from actress Jennifer Jason Lee. So he is writing from the heart. Mm-hmm. And I think that results in a movie that is very intimate, very real, very raw. And I think this is an Oscar contender across the board for picture, director, screenplay, actor, actress, supporting actress, Laura Dern, and supporting actor, take your pick, Alan Alder or Ray Liotta. What I really love about the movie is just that throughout the course of divorce, which is obviously a very, very painful experience, no matter how, how contentious or amicable the divorce is, it is still a very painful process. And when it is amicable and the two people try to keep it amicable, but they're influenced by their attorneys and mm-hmm. their friends and their family and it starts to get contentious but that they stay they stay true to how much they care about each other how much they love each other you know little moments where they'll say something like oh she would never do that to me or i'm not going to do that to him those are the moments that felt very very real in this movie i think it is the kramer versus kramer of the 21st century an absolute front runner for best picture i also think it's a front runner for uh screenplay as well yes. that was one of the things that i walked out i'm like that is just a screenplay that's on another level and also I think that the last scene of the movie might be one of my favorite scenes of the entire year. The last scene of this movie and I'm I'm only saying this because of the way it made me feel at the very end. It reminded me just to, to a very small extent but, but in the sense that it stayed with me and the way I felt walking out of the movie, the ending did remind me a little of La La Land. Okay. Okay. I That's a very that. different film. I could see that. Story is not a musical. It's a completely different kind of movie from La La Land. But in the sense that, you know, the way things sort of work out for these two people, it did leave me feeling the same way I mm-hmm. felt with, with La La Land. The ending, you're right, was it does stay with you. All right. So that was your number one. What was your number four? Okay. Going back to my number yes, four yes. Was, a, was Judy. Judy, directed oh, by Rupert I'm Gould. So happy. Oh, good. Okay. Listen, Judy, I, Judy didn't crack my top five, but it, it's very, very close. It's your number six. Yeah. Is it? Is it my number six? Or, oh no! <laughs> I'm just joking. Maybe it's not no, your number it's six. No, it's my number. To be honest, it's my number eight. Okay, but, no, but it's okay. Ten it up at Tiff. I adored all of them. Here's what I liked about about Judy. I went into Judy thinking maybe it's going to be an okay film, but I'm sure Renee Zellweger is very, very good. And the movie is actually the movie is very, very good. And Renee Zellweger 
gives the performance of her career. Now, she took a break from acting for a little while. She, she's been nominated for an Academy Award for – I mean she was nominated for, for Chicago. Mm-hmm. She won supporting actress for Cold Mountain back in 2003. She's also phenomenal in she, Empire Records for oh, that uh, matter. Well, I mean you're going back to <laughs> the 90s that. now. I love that movie. You're going like back to you know, like Jerry Maguire area. But, but uh, you know, she – what I loved about her performance is she doesn't sensationalize – Judy Garland. It's in the last like year of her life, you know, when she was doing uh, stage mm-hmm. in London. Uh, she doesn't go over the top like uh, you know Faye Dunaway and Mommy Dearest. You empathize with her. You sympathize with her. You know, you feel bad for her. She's obviously had a very very rough upbringing, and you flash back to her childhood. You know, played by a different actress when she's making Wizard of Oz, mm-hmm. and you can see how the studio system really screwed her up mentally for for life, and that she's really trying to make a go of it, be a good mother, and it's a very good movie it's intimate it's not like a big you know lavish film but she it's a great performance she shows incredible range she sings her own stuff and she sings it like judy garland would sing it uh i was really blown away by the film and blown away by her, her performance in particular i think judy uh, uh judy is a terrific film renee a lock for best actress yeah i think i'm going with you on that one i think she's going to get the nomination without a doubt i think the only weak thing in this film that i really noticed is that the structure of the story isn't entirely sound but it still had the intended effect at the end it's almost like uh, judy garland at this stage of her life is in like such a, a web of things that have knocked her down whether it's things happening in the moment things that happen in the past and the realization she comes to at the end like I was sitting in a puddle of my own <laughs> tears when a specific line was uttered. I thought it I just about. it landed so beautifully mm-hmm. that even though I can notice certain uh, certain supporting characters that I think didn't get the time that they needed, or let's say transitions that weren't as strong as they needed to be, mm-hmm. the fact that it landed as well as it did made this one of my top ten of TIFF. That line, if it's the line yeah. I think you're thinking of, I have of, a feeling it is. That moment could have not worked. There yes. was there was every reason like that movie could have been too sappy or schmaltzy or or uh, it could have not worked at all, but it did. Yeah, and that's a testament to director Rupert Gould. Yes. All right, we're moving on to my number three. You Let's ready for it? it? This it. is the movie Waves, and I don't want to spoil anything with this uh, one, but <laughs> I, I think this IMDb <laughs> synopsis doesn't really do it justice. It just says two young couples na- navigate through the emotional minefield of growing up and falling in love, which which I guess is accurate, but. This is a movie from Trey Edward Schultz, who uh, just did It Comes at Night, and he keeps working with A24, and I hope that they keep their partnership going because he is making such successfully intimate, bold movies that this is one of those movies that I walked away from at TIFF, and I saw a few of them, Mm -hmm. that I said to myself, nobody else could direct the movie quite like he did, and also with the writing, too. I mean, the script in this one is absolutely impeccable. There's a point in the movie where it kind of changes tones and perspectives oh, mm-hmm. where I, I don't know how you make that work, but somehow he did. And this is another situation where it is such a deeply human story that kind of gets into the cracks of feeling compelled to make certain decisions and then dealing with the repercussions of that decision and seeing how two different people might make different choices in a moment. It is just so beautifully done. A lot of people out there know what a big fan I am of Kelvin Harrison Jr., this Loose, is another, baby. another, I mean, mind-blowingly good performance. 
I would do anything to see him get a nomination this year for either Loose or this. I don't know if it's going to happen. I don't know if his performance is making enough noise in that community, but he really deserves it. Both movies, I walked away saying that was something that's awards worthy. You know, when I saw Loose, I thought Kelvin Harrison Jr. was superb because so of the way good. he, the whole, the whole course of the movie, you don't know which side he's on. Is he, it's is he innocent? Or, yeah, it really is fascinating. And it takes a talented actor to pull that I off. I got like a little obsessed with Loose too, where when I got my screening link to prepare for the press day, I must have watched it over and over again. And I have a feeling the character study component of this one, similar to A Marriage Story, is going to encourage me to watch it over and over, to look at all the teeny tiny details, the facial expressions, every single thing these characters do, down to a simple text message is important. Well, listen, this movie... The direction is exhilarating. Uh, I saw this movie, A Telluride, and from the opening scene, like in the car, when the camera's like spinning all the way around when they're driving, uh, I oh, knew that I was that in for, <laughs> yeah, I, I knew I was in for something really, really special and extraordinary. And Waves is one of two movies that I saw that would have been number six on my top oh, five. Yeah. yeah, but I love Waves. It is a terrific film. Kelvin Harrison Jr., a superb performance. You know, the, the, uh, the peak of the movie, you know, which is not at the end, but the peak of the movie, uh, I couldn't breathe. I know you know what I'm talking yes, about. Yes, I do. But the, the, the sort of centerpiece of this movie was just so, so suspenseful and intense and powerful, mm-hmm. powerful. And then the movie shifts tones into something different where it focuses on the, the actress played by Taylor Russell. Yes. It's his sister. She's great. She is a standout. It's a breakthrough, breakout performance. It's it's interesting comparing her performance to Kelvin Harrison Jr.'s performance because they're two, they're, the characters they play are such different people. Yep. And watching her make the most of what she has and him make the most of what he has in two completely different ways, that I think is one of the most fascinating parts of this movie. Absolutely. I, I love Waves. Now, my number three is uh, we, won't, we won't look at that. Uh, my number three. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. How did my arm get it's over not there? a carpet. Yeah, we don't have to look at that, Perry. Uh, we are. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to skip over my number three because I'd rather talk about my number three when we're talking about your number oh, one. Okay, I see what so you're doing I'm here. Do you see what I'm doing yes, here? Yes, yes. So I'm going to go to my number two. Okay. And what I loved out of Telluride was the first movie I saw at Telluride. So talk about like, you know, sprinting out of the gate here, Ford versus yes. Ferrari. First of all, it's directed by James Mangold, who is a great director of studio films. Walk the Line, 310 to Yuma, The Wolverine, Logan. I mean, he's a great director and all these movies are very, very different. Mm-hmm. Even The Wolverine and Logan are, are very different films. Um, but this movie is about how uh, Ford, the American car maker, which was uh, an underdog on the auto racing field, went on to challenge the favorite Ferrari, the Italian race car maker at the Le Mans car race, uh, 24-hour race in 1966. And I am not a fan of auto racing. I mean, I like it. You know, I used to watch it when I was younger on ABC Wild World of Sports. But I knew very little about the story. The screenplay pulled me in. The movie is about really the friendship between the auto designer, Carol Shelby, played by Matt Damon, and the race car mm-hmm. driver, Ken Miles, played by Christian Bale, who is, I think, going to get nominated for supporting actor. It's a supporting role. This is really an ensemble film. Mm-hmm. But the way this movie is structured, the way it's framed, it felt like the right stuff on wheels. Takes place in the 60s. You have the American underdog. Instead of taking on the Russians to the moon, they're taking on the Italians on the race on the race uh, track. And the racing scenes are exhilarating. Yes. The sets. It is a big Hollywood studio film. It is Hollywood studio movie making at its finest. And I think it, it is a 
It is a movie about friendship. It is a movie about loyalty. It is about a movie about having somebody's back or having each other's back. It is a movie about passion, and it is a great ensemble. And the two and a half hours, it freaking flies mm-hmm, by, they do. and it really left me on a real emotional note. Yes, uh, this one is in my top ten. Didn't crack my top five, and I think one of the reasons it didn't crack my top five is because. It looks like my top five is a whole lot of like daring films that do something that I haven't seen before. And mm-hmm. I think this is a very successful, uh, not necessarily formulate, but familiar way to go about presenting the details sure. of a story like this. Right. Straightforward. But, but again, it, it works. Everything they do, I, I felt, and I'm like you, I'm not the biggest uh, racing fan, <laughs> but I was so riveted by these racing scenes, especially the end. This was one of those movies that truly knocked the wind out of me. Like, I, when I got up, I felt that I was, like, grabbing the, the armrests. The yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I do think this one is excellent, but not in my top five. What's the number two for you? My number two, I love how I have to check. Like, I haven't said this out loud a million. Like, ever since we got back from Tiff, I'm like, do you want to hear my top five? Do you want to hear my? You know, <laughs> hopefully, you guys still care, yeah, but I've told I uh, <laughs> I've told too many like friends and family not in the industry where they're like, cool, cool. Uh, my number two is Knives Out. So Ryan Johnson. I was really excited to see what Ryan Johnson cooked up, especially as a fan of Looper, as a fan of Brick. I was really looking forward to seeing him make a completely original story and. He really didn't disappoint in that respect, in that not only does he cook up an interesting story, but he doesn't hold back in any respect. This is one of those types of movies where every single thing has to be operating at peak level and brought together seamlessly in order for it to work. And wow, does it. (laughs) He just kept me riveted from start to finish. And this is another thing where every single frame of the movie is so expertly designed. All the performances that he gets out of this phenomenal ensemble are right on point to the point where you are encouraged to look at every single detail and try to piece everything together and just the unexpected elements that come up as the story progresses and how he backs up every single thing. So walked out of this movie, I gave it a 9.5 out of 10 because there is so much to this movie that I really do want to see it together because I do think that everything is as perfect as it needs to be, but I can't wait to see it again and just to analyze everything that happens knowing where the movie ends up. I love this movie. This is another, my other number six okay. on my list next to Waves. Uh, you know, it's really hard coming up with the top ten, it or is. top five it of is. both of these film festivals, but but uh, Knives Out I feel like is the movie that Ryan Johnson really wanted to make after after Star Wars Last Jedi, but uh, it is meticulously plotted. There are a lot of twists and turns in the story, and uh, there's a lot going on with a lot of characters, mm-hmm. and I felt like I was, I was following along. I felt like I got it, and it, and it really you know, stuck the landing for me. But this is a movie like you. I want to go back and watch yes. it again because I just want to make sure that all the all the I's are dotted, all the T's are crossed. I want to make sure this is a watertight film and it certainly it feel, seems like it is. It feels but that way. It is this is a home run. I, I thought this is a great movie. Anna de Armas. How good is she? Fantastic. I mean ever since I first saw her in Knock Knock and then it was Hands of Stone, it's just I have been championing her for so long and I just hope that this gets a wide enough release and enough eyes in front of it because of course she was in Blade Runner twenty forty nine as well. It's just I hope that this movie really makes waves and starts to make her more of a household name. Well, I think it comes out end of November. November 27th. It's it's definitely being positioned not only as a a wide release coming out from Lionsgate, but I think that uh, this is worthy – at least uh, in terms of Oscars, of a of screenplay, screenplay nomination, yeah. for sure. And uh, maybe, you know, if there's a, a chance I can get nominated for, for a Golden Globe for Best Comedy, that, 
that would be cool. worthy. I mean, it's 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 a terrific film. All right, so so your number one is oh. my number three. Okay, so this is this is it. This, this is, is it. like the culmination this of the video right uh-huh. now. Right. My number one, your number three is Jojo Rabbit. Jojo Rabbit. Jojo Rabbit, which which I'm very excited because as we've talked about elsewhere here on Collider yes. Video, it did win the People's Choice Award. At, for the, at the Toronto International Film Festival. This is a film that uh, directed by Taika Waititi, who uh, best known, obviously, for Thor Ragnarok, What We Do in the Shadows, and... Hunt uh, for the Wilder People. Hunt for the Wilder People. He has his own vision, and all of it comes to bear in this film. Uh, it's about uh, a young boy in Germany. Uh, he finds out that his mom has been uh, sheltering a, a Jewish girl sort of in the attic, so to speak, uh, from the Nazis during World War II and the Holocaust. And this is not a film that is easily identifiable, easily pegged, although I think it's fair to sort of call it a cross between Wes Anderson and Life is Beautiful, uh, you know, Roberto Benigni's uh, Oscar-winning movie, because in the way it definitely mixes comedy and emotion and drama. Mm-hmm. You know, it is funny. I did laugh out loud. It is a satire yeah. of the Holocaust. You know, you have Taika himself playing Hitler as an over-the-top, you know, almost like something that uh, uh, – you know, Chapman would have played back in The Great Dictator. And, but, but just when I was laughing out loud, the movie would shift gears and turn serious. And the serious tone didn't interfere with the humor. Yeah. It, it sort of uh, complemented it. Well, when, and when you say satire, it's not, it's not a movie making fun of a re- very no. real tragedy. Mm-hmm. It's just trying to explore it a new way yeah, at a it from, way. A, from a different angle than we've ever approached it before. I remember having a conversation... I believe it was with some of the Collider.com team after I saw the movie and they were saying, you know, I I wish I had a movie like this when I was younger. And I kind of wish I did, too. It might have been able to uh, help me process everything Mm -hmm. at a Mm -hmm. much younger age Mm -hmm. than when I initially learned about uh, Hitler and the Holocaust and everything that happened in World War Two when I grew up going to Hebrew school. So that has stuck in my mind and just how successfully he tells this story mm-hmm. from a 10-year-old, I believe, from his perspective and how he's processing everything happening around him and how he's kind of using his imaginary version of Hitler to fill a void in his own life. So I thought it all comes together so well. It and really does. This is another movie, because I know I mentioned this during Waves, three of the movies at TIFF that I walked away from saying nobody else but the person who was in the director's chair on this movie could have made this movie this way. It is... Taika Waititi on Jojo Rabbit, Ryan Johnson on Knives Out, and Trey Edward Schultz on Waves. This is another movie where I think if one little teeny tiny piece of this didn't work, the whole the whole operation, the whole idea could have collapsed under the weight because he is really swinging for the fences with this one. And the fact that he, I think he freaking knocks it out of the park. This one moved me to such an extent where it brought me to tears a couple of times. But then it sent me out the door feeling hopeful and inspired and just really holding tight to just what like simple human kindness can do in the world. And the fact that a movie that tackles subject matter like this can send me on my way wanting to be a better person for the sake of the world what more can you ask for? What more can you ask indeed, Perry Nemiroff? I completely agree with you. I was really, I was really pumped when I walked out of this movie, seeing it to us. It was Sunday night at the Princess of Wales yes. Theater. And uh, you know, to discover the movie in Toronto with that crowd, I mean, that's, the sense of discovery is what makes these film festivals so, so yeah. great. But just 
there was there there were a lot of reasons why you know like you said one thing couldn't have worked it would have sent the, it would have had a domino effect on the mm-hmm. rest of the film but this movie does work it is it is an assured vision and Taika Waititi directed it with absolute confidence he knew the movie he wanted to make yes. and he made it and I do have to say that being the massive diehard lifelong Beatles fan that I am uh, yeah. the use. I'm not going to spoil it. Yes. I'm not spoiling it, but the use of a Beatles song in this movie and why it was used and where it was used was ingenious. I mean, I, I just thought that. that was one that I will never forget. Uh, but just, uh, again, overall, the, the performances in this movie, focusing on the young actors, uh, uh, Roman Griffin Davis is a standout. I mean, the movie hinges on him, and he mm-hmm. carries it like a pro. Thomas and McKenzie, best known for uh, uh, going alongside Ben Foster in mm-hmm. Leave No Trace last year. Uh, it is there's so much to this movie. I can't wait to see it again. Fully deserving of its TIFF, People's Choice Award win, and fully deserving of Oscar nominations for picture, director, and screenplay. Yes, please. Wow. There That's you it. go. There Those you go. Are... That's it. That, boy, that felt good. That felt <laughs> so good. See this? See that logo? Do you Aww, see that logo? I'm so happy it's for back. For your consideration is back. And, of course, we will be joined by the mighty Jeff Snyder when Collider FYC really, really does get underway. So make sure you like you like this uh, video, you like our podcast, make sure you share our video, make sure you share our podcast, retweet it if it's on Twitter, because we really want to get season two of Collider FYC off on a big note of wait till you see where Collider FYC is going. It's going to be very different from our first year. We're going, we're pulling out all the stops to make Collider FYC season two, our biggest and best year yet. So make sure you check back with us. And until our next episode, FY, see you later. Napa know how. This month, Napa's got all kinds of motor oil deals that can save you some serious cash. Like a five-quart jug of Napa Full Synthetic Motor Oil for just $16.49. With savings like that, you may start feeling like a VIP. But don't let it go to your head. These oil deals are for everyone. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General states pricing. Sales prices not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 831.20. It's that little chico pit boom, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at Negative to Positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken, and you know, that's fire. Now, Bobo, you know that you could get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on Negative to Positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify.